The following is a Poppy Chulo Radio original program. The views and opinions expressed in the commentaries and or interviews in the following program are solely those of the individuals and are not views of Poppy Chulo Radio, its parent, affiliate, or subsidiary companies. Welcome, foolish mortals, to Horror Hotel, a PoppyChuloRadio.com original series, Poppy Chulo Radio, Pop Culture on Demand. I am your host and hotel owner, Jeffrey Aruz. We're so glad you could check in. We've been dying to have you. Here on Horror Hotel, we are going to explore some of Hollywood's scariest, most frightening, and creepiest films. Please welcome my co-hosts, Concierge Supervisor, Cynthia Boyede. Hello. And Night Auditor, Mark Estes. What's your favorite scary movie? Oh. Story of my life. Before we head on over to the ballroom, let's stop by the front desk where one of our bellhops has a few special announcements. Good evening. We thank you for your patronage. Please step all the way in and make room for everyone. There's no turning back now. <laughs> I didn't mean to frighten you prematurely. The real chills come later. Like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash p c r horror hotel. Follow Panpichulo Radio on social media. We are on Facebook, Instagram, Tumblr, Twitter, and YouTube at Panpichulo Radio. For more information on Horror Hotel, visit panpichuloradio.com slash horror hotel. Do you have any questions, suggestions, comments, or concerns? Email us via contact at panpichuloradio.com. Help support Panpichulo Radio financially by visiting gofundme.com slash panpichuloradio. Are you interested in joining the Panpichulo Radio team as an on-air personality or blog contributor? Email talent at panpichuloradio.com. Binge listen to your favorite Panpichulo Radio programs by visiting panpichuloradio.com archives. You can also download tonight's broadcast and the rest of the series through iTunes. Just search for Panpichulo Radio's Horror Hotel and subscribe. Now, grab some popcorn and some snacks. You may step into the ballroom. It's time for your feature presentation. Thank you. It's time to fire up the film projector in our ballroom so that we can discuss 1996's Scream. Here's the official synopsis of the film. A year after the murder of her mother, a teenage girl is terrorized by a new killer who targets the girl 
and her friends by using horror films as part of a deadly game. Burm, burm, burm. Hashtag extremely vague. All right. So <laughs> I want to get everyone's answer to this question, which y'all know. Have you ever seen Scream before? Uh, Mark? Okay, y'all. I am a Screamologist. I have a PhD in Scream. Um, so, yeah, I watch this movie at least at least 10 times a year. Oh, okay. What? Cynthia, can you yes. top that? No, no. I saw three of them, but the first time I saw the first one was a long time ago, and I didn't understand what was going on because I couldn't understand the accents. So, yeah, it's been a while. And I saw Scream when it came out, not in theaters, like when it hit TV, and loved it, loved it. I mean, it was just amazing. It was fantastic. And I do remember hitting to the theaters to see Scream 2. Like, I 100% made sure to go opening weekend for Scream 2. You so, had to. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was just like, you know, once you got sucked into Scream, especially being a teen when it came out, because I was uh, 13, and like, you know, you just wanted to see what was going to happen next, because this was like the revitalization of uh, the horror genre, a little bit of like the teen film genre, the slasher film genre. Yes. I mean, it really like brought all these genres that sort of, you know, died down a little bit and became more sort of like B movies and it, it brought them back into the forefront, which uh was pretty awesome and very exciting. So let's talk about this and um we'll talk about the cast in a moment, but I feel like we have to talk about the opening scene first because it was such a shock for everybody because when scream was being promoted and in the trailer and everything like the name drew barrymore was like there in the forefront and so when you're starting to see the movie and you see drew barrymore as casey becker you feel like okay so this is gonna be the final girl this is gonna be the girl that's gonna make it to the end And then Scream pulls a psycho and uh, kills her right before the title card appears. So let's talk about this opening scene, which I think perfectly set up the movie. I mean, it was done so well. I mean, it kind of is a little old schoolish because of, like, in my opinion, like the popcorn. Like, I don't think I've ever made popcorn that way. So I don't know if people still make it that way. Maybe they, they do. do. Okay. They do. It's when you do the kernels, right? To be cool. Yeah. It's when you do the kernels, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. I've never done it that way, so it still looks a little old school. Although the phone did kind of look old school. But the house is gorgeous. And you've got Drew Barrymore getting terrorized on the phone, pretty much, for like 10 minutes. Yeah. So let's um... get into it. Yeah, Cynthia, you want to go first? <laughs> oh, okay. Um, first of all, <laughs> someone calls you, and they're like, "Oh, wrong number." Okay, bye. And then they call you back, 
and they're like, what's your favorite scary movie? It's not like, what are you wearing? Like, that could be sexy, I guess. But, like, what's your favorite scary movie? Cynthia like, has a lot of that? men call her late at night asking her what she's wearing. Oh, my God. This is true. <laughs> I'm hot cakes on the market. Oh. But, like, really. And then she's, like, talking to this guy and walking around. And then it gets weird. But she doesn't hang up to call the police. No. She hangs up and she walks around all the glass windows. And she's like, oh, can I see him in the dark? I wonder... No, I can't see him from this window. Let's go to this other glass window where anyone could shoot me because I can't see anything outside. Let's just keep walking. You know what? Let me lock myself in my house now that the guy is telling me he can see everything. I'm not going to call the cops. I'm not going to run. I'm just going to lock myself in this glass house where anyone could, like, break everywhere because it's glass. Like, how stupid can you be? I just got so angry. I got so angry. And then... Yeah, because I was like, you Cynthia, like, this was 1996. Things were different in 1996. I guess so, but I didn't want her to die, so I was so angry that they were about to kill her, and she could have done something, like go into your closet or something, like anything, like hide. Please, Drew Barrymore, don't die. And then they killed her in the worst possible way. Like, how many times do you have to stab someone? How many times? How many times? You stabbed her in the heart, then you stabbed her in the throat, then you hung her. Why? That's it. I'm getting a little bit emotional. Oh my gosh. Um, Well, that was the cynical point of view. Um, Mark, bring us back to reality. Well, no, I mean she has a good point. I mean, I'm just, I'm not gonna, I'm, like, I'm, I'm sitting here a virtual hug right now, Cynthia, because Aww. every time, even I, like, I've ritually watched this movie every, I said ten times, a, ten times a year at least. That's at least, because I will catch it on TV and watch it. If, it, if, if I still have to turn the TV and it's on, I will watch it from whatever point from forward on. But I get upset every time during Casey Becker's death scene because yes, why didn't she call the cops? You know. Why didn't she just sit there and go barricade herself in the room upstairs or something like that? And then, you know, because I guess she felt like this was a joke, you know what I'm saying? Or, But I think until the point where she saw that poor, uh, her poor boyfriend, who is big, he plays football, he'll kick the shit out of you, you know, mm-hmm. um, he, when he got gutted. I know, and in the unrated version, there's more yes. gutation. Yes, and when he got good, I mean, it was, they had so much blood and guts in this movie, it was ridiculous, but they had to cut it out, but I'm so glad you found Unrated Version, because I'm still trying to find it to this day. Anyway, and I think that she really thought that all that was a joke, like somebody was really playing with her, but then when she sat there and saw his guts fall out, that was all, it was game over then, because everything that she should have been doing, she didn't pretty much barricade her, she didn't backed herself into a corner, and now she can't get out, so, mm-hmm. but just seeing, you, you know, the just how many times they stabbed her. It was just the fact that not only did they stab her, he crushed her voice box. Oh. And then her parents pull up outside. She is right there. Can I scream to her parents, mom? She's with, like, croaking mom. They go inside the house, see everything's disarray, and then she's getting stabbed while they're in the house trying to find everything that's going on and gut it. That scene is so heart-wrenching. But it just goes to show you that we're not going to fuck with y'all this movie. We're not playing with y'all. This is going to be a balls-to-the-wall thrill ride. Mm-hmm. And we'll kill E.T.'s little sister. Exactly. We don't care. Drew Barrymore, who? 
You know what I'm saying? Like, new, new. This is a new generation. We nobody's safe because you know when the lead star dies, pretty much everybody else in the movie is pretty much fucked. But it was just like Drew Barrymore is dead. Um, I didn't have the luxury of seeing Scream in theaters, but just to imagine seeing the audience reaction when that movie hit. I mean, when that happened, I would love to be just to switch place with somebody for just 15 minutes. Just to oh, yeah. Experience. Like, I know there must have been a gas. Like, opening night. Like, when she died, like, people would be like, what? Did we come to the movie late? <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. You know, something like that, you know. So, continuing on with the cast. I mean, our scream queen, our heroine, our final girl is Sydney Prescott. Nev Campbell. Uh, what do we think of Nev Campbell as Sydney Prescott? I feel like Nev Campbell gets a lot of flack sometimes, but I really liked her as Sydney. Like I was rooting for her. Uh, look, Sydney Prescott was the prototype for the millennials' final girl because every movie after mm-hmm. that tried to give us a uh, Sydney Prescott, and I'm like, no, you are no, you are Julie James, just um, Jennifer Love Hewitt. You are someone else, Alicia Witt from Urban Legend. You know, it's just like, there's only one Sydney Prescott, and I loved her. Um, I felt like she was, Sydney Prescott was that chick you would probably be cool with at, at high school. You know, y'all went tight like that, but you know she was cool. You know, you yeah. would sit there and talk to her in class and stuff like that. You know, you could sit there and be chill with her at the lunch table or in the yearbook staff or something like that. You know, she was like the next like truly the girl next door she was a snobby she was um you know very aware you know and she was not for the bullshit so mm-hmm. and instead of her being like this too goody goody two shoes she had her flaws but it was just like you know her mom died a year earlier you know what i'm saying so yeah she was trying but you know that's still fresh on her mind and the anniversary of her death was coming up so yeah sydney prescott is everything Co-sign. And I co-sign as well. Yeah, I thought she was an awesome heroine, basically. Yeah, I thought she did a really great job, and uh, I liked Nev Campbell in the role. Now, someone that I loved in their role, Courtney Cox, Gail Weathers. Yes! Because, like, I thought this character, iconic, yes, and I feel like her character had, like, an incredible amount of character growth within the span of just one movie. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Because um, she I starts mean... off, like, as a tabloid reporter, and then, like, she, you know, she just evolves into, like, a hero, which, you know, if we would have just taken her, like, from, like, the first couple minutes of screen time that she had, I was like, okay, she's probably not going to make it till the end. She's yes. too she's too much of a bitch, to be quite honest. Yeah, she she is the um okay, because we also do Are You Afraid American Horror Story Cult. Um and last this week's episode featured Emma Roberts as Serena Belinda. Yes. And she was channeling Gail Wells <laughs> from cult to just outfits and everything and just her way of handling stuff. She was channeling Gail Weathers. That's how iconic she is. And my friend actually has a group on Facebook called Total Entertainment, who was which um, tabloid that Gail um, worked for um, oh, in Scream. Funny. And 
he is the Gail Weathers of the group. He tells everybody that no motherfucker, I am Gail Weathers. I I am the one who sit to tell Kenny to go get the damn camera and bring his ass all the stuff like mm-hmm. that, you know. And so Gail, Courtney Cox nailed their role because it was complete opposite of her playing Monica on Friends. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean, she just went in and she was like a bulldozer because if when you first see her, you just see her as a, a just a normal reporter. But when she don't get this shot with um um Sydney. Before they leave the house, and she said, "I said, um, she said the line. I know that you're uh, about ten pounds overweight, though. But yes. when I tell you to move, you move your fat tub of lard ass now." And that was just like, okay, she is a bitch. Like she is a major <laughs> bitch. Like, ooh, Gail Weathers else, is about those ratings. She's about the ratings. She's about them damn them eyeballs. You know what I'm saying? And I mean, I, but and you kind of like it's kind of like you said, Jeff, when you like, okay, she's so bitchy. She's like, like her death scene is gonna be just so funny. It's gonna be just so gravi- you know, like like satisfying. But she was the bitch you love. You know what I'm saying? She was like, yeah. it's like, oh, please kill her ass already. It was like you just expected it. Like she's gonna have a decent death scene. You know what I'm saying? Because she's so bitchy, she's gonna act for it. Yeah, you go from thinking that she's going to die and that she's going to have this spectacular death to rooting for her to live. Because mm-hmm. at one point, like, we were all like, is Gail dead? Yes. And I was like, no, no, she can't be dead. Mm-hmm. Yep. Because she, it was like, I think they even said in the movie, like, she's like a damn cat. <laughs> like, damn, Jesus, she won't, she won't stay down because, yeah, I don't want to get too far ahead, though, but it was just like, when she popped back up, I was like, thank the Lord. But then she went down again, like, oh, damn it. <laughs> but I love Gail Weathers. And I think the fact that she was the second final girl, because uh-huh. there were movies that had two final girls. I mean, let's just be real. There's been horror movies before that, but they made it iconic. I think Scream made it iconic and memorable. You know what I'm saying? But most people sit there and say that Sydney is the final girl and Gail and another character we get ready to talk about is or like just like her you no know, supporting characters though, but no. I look at Gail as a final girl as well. Yeah. Because I she was too. just as resourceful as Sydney. You know what I'm saying? They're just two different ends of the spectrum. Yeah, I agree. And you know, you could call Sydney the final girl because she's the younger one, and, and Courtney Cox's uh, Gail Weathers is obviously an adult at the time, so maybe that's why people don't see her as like the final girl per se, because usually you think of it as like one of the teens in the movie. But I can agree with you; they are both the final girls. Let's get into Dewey Riley, David Arquette. What did y'all think of Dewey? <laughs> He's definitely like the around the way boy, like you know, like the small town, small minded, minded, uh, um, dude, uh, you know, from like a, a little town, like the one that will, you know, end up, you know, kind of like how D- he did, you know, join the police force and you know, sort of sticks around in the small town. Ugh. My note for him was, basically all I had for him was, how can one be so stupid? And that's where I ended, because I'm just like, I can't even try. Dewey, poor guy. I love me some Dewey. Um, what? I loved, I mean, it's just, it's just Dewey... I thought he was a goner, too. I was like, okay, they're just, they're just there. They're going to be goners. But he just gave off this charm. You know, it's just like, yeah, he was a doofus, though, but it was just like, 
you couldn't help but just be like, oh, Dewey. You know what I'm saying? Like, good old Dewey. <laughs> you know, that's how I looked at him in, in the first movie. But, you know, he was just, I don't know, he just was just cool. I was like, I like Dewey because he, he just was cool. And I liked him and Courtney Cox together because she clearly knew that she was not feeling him at first. But then she kind of like, like, hey. I see something here that I actually like, even though I can explore the hell out of it. Nobody actually can sit down. I can do something with this. And, you know, so, and it was just for a split second. It was just for a split second, though, but, you know, it was like the budding of something big, but you didn't know at the time. I mean, literally in, not just the Yeah, like both in the real life, life, too. And they they just had this chemistry that just was just awesome. And that's why I think I like him a lot. I mean, he had some of the funniest. I loved him with his sister, um, but my sister reminded me of his sister, and I was like, "Oh God, I can see us both getting arguing the damn like PlayStation up with some stupid shit." Yeah, so I like Dewey. Yeah, I like Dewey too, and uh, he certainly like if you look at the entire series, he was like the survivor because I feel like he always gets stabbed or knocked out or something but then he always ends up showing up at the end yeah he was the the mascot the team punching bag <laughs> pretty much because he should have a damn medal of honor what they call a purple heart sound like that for slasher movies or something yeah and i'm glad that wes craven changed the end of the script or him and kevin williamson both together changed it because he was supposed to have died and um the test audiences loved him so much that that last shot at the end of the movie with him on the stretcher was just added in at the last minute, I think in the reshoots or something like that. And I'm glad that they went with that decision. Yeah. Have you reminded you guys of Shaggy? Yes. <laughs> he is the Shaggy of the group. I, I would give you that. Yeah. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. I can co-sign that. Let's talk about his sister, Tatum Riley, plays, played by Rose McGowan. I loved it's me some Tatum. She was such a bitch. But she was, like, an entertaining bitch. Yeah. And she also gave lots of nipple action in her final... Yes, she was nipply. She was was nippy. Which, maybe that's why Whitney Houston had that nickname. (laughs) I I mean, at least that was kind of, like, warranted. You know what I'm saying? Well, yeah, because, you know, it's... It's a horror movie. It's a teen slasher. It's it's got to be a little sexy, you know. It's, you know, obviously the actors are not teens, although, like I think everyone like looked good. They weren't. I don't think. Oh. At, I don't know. I have to. I I will say this. I did not do my research, so I don't know everybody's ages, but I think they were at least in their early twenties. Like I don't think any of the ones that were in high school were, like, in their 30s. Like, it didn't look like, no offense to John Travolta, or or even Mm. Olivia Newton-John playing high schoolers in Greece. But it didn't look like that. Yeah. Mm, Okay. I thought they were appropriate. You know, they all had, like, youthful-looking faces. I don't know if everyone else agrees, but... No, I agree. I... I called it the WB syndrome because they all are like a group of folks from the WB. Um, actually, they were some of the ones. I think Spring was one of the reasons why some of the shows in the WB lasted as long as they did, because they made the teen genre as a whole um, watchable again and just more lucrative, if you, if you know what I mean. But Tatum, 
I adored every scene she was in, and it just yeah. hurts me. I adored yeah. every scene she was in because she was the she was the teenager. She was like, okay, you had Sydney as the final girl, and then Tatum was like her like polar opposite. But they were tight. They were thick as thieves. They complimented each other so well, and you could see them two being best friends. And you could see Tatum being that girl who will be down for anything. Like yo, ride or die, ride or die. Yeah. She was the true ride or die best friend, and her intro was just like <laughs> awesome. Because she, <laughs> and then when she got to the point, like, yeah, she said, yeah, it's horrible. It was even worse than, yeah, it was bad. <laughs> she knew that she went too far then. Like, yeah, you forgot who you're talking to, <laughs> you know? So uh, I just love Tatum, and I love her interaction with everybody on the screen. Mm-hmm. Even the whole, I call it the um, the group shot, the group scene, where they were all, the, the main characters were sitting there talking, and she was going at it with, you know, like, just ba- the banter. She was good mm-hmm. at delivering her lines and throwing them and serving them and stuff like that. And then all the way to the very end, she was just amazing. And every time I watch Scream and I see that death scene coming up, I'm like, girl, just to imagine what you would have done in the other three movies would have been awesome. Yeah. But she had sacrifice, you know what I'm saying? So. There's a part of me, I've seen this movie a lot. Like, not a lot like how Mark sees this movie, but I've seen this movie a lot. Especially, you know, within the first few years that it came out, like, whenever it was on cable, like, I would always be watching it. And I'm talking about premium cable, so no commercials. You know, you just watch the whole oh, movie. And okay. also unedited. Um, So, like, watching it, like, all the time, like, growing up, like, there was a part of me that always, and I know that the ending isn't going to be different, and I know that the scene can't change, but I'm always like, come on, you know, you can run. Come on, Tatum, you know. Don't go in through the little doggy door this time. But, you know, she ends up dying and getting her head squished. Yeah, that was such a stupid way to die. Because girl basically ran from the garage door remote. And she's like, oh, it's here. I just played with it. But let's not touch it. Let's go through where the cat went through. Like, yeah, that's skinny. At least she died confidently. Body confidence is always a good thing. Seriously, bro. Let's let's talk about Randy Meeks, Jamie Kennedy. Okay, if I had to identify with anybody in Spring, it would be Randy Meeks. I'm just gonna be I'm just gonna put it out there. Um, Because before I knew Randy Meeks, I my dream job was working at the local video store. Because I would have been the the Randy Meeks of the damn video store. I'd have been like, oh, you can't watch, you know, that. I'd have been the the horror aficionado, based on what I had seen up to that point, and for Browns, my, my hometowns folks. But um, yeah, I love Randy Meeks. Cause I identify with him. There was no screen without Randy Meeks, and I think that's kind of like probably why I think that's one of the things that was lacking from the fourth movie because he was nowhere to be. He, nobody near him, sister, mother, brother, anybody showed up to just like give us a shot of the Meeks gene. But I yeah. just. I just feel like he was a big part of the whole the original trilogy and stuff. So, what about you, Cynthia? What did you think of Randy? Thought it was very interesting. Like, he kind of made Scream a spoof of itself. Yeah. If that makes yeah, if that makes any sense. Yeah, because he's and, in a horror and, movie talking about the rules of a horror movie. Yes, and like it made it ser- not as serious as. It should have been, which is good, because it's a yeah. teenage movie. 
No, you're correct. Seriously. I think a lot of people forget the humor in Scream. It's like a really funny movie at one point. Like, not at one point, but at several points. It can be really funny. I mean, there are very horrific things and even scary things that are happening. But they use the humor almost to... um, What do you call it? To... um, Balance it out? Not balance it out to like... um, What's the right word? As almost like a ruse to like calm us down and forget that it's a horror movie so that when like the scary stuff starts happening, you're more surprised. Yes. Yeah. His acting was really good too. Really, really good. Like I didn't get a lot of things when I first watched it. I didn't get a lot of the references. And now I'm watching it again. I'm like, oh yeah, that makes sense. Like, and I saw a lot of that. Um, I can't remember what movie tried to give us a Randy, but it failed miserably. I think it was The Cabin or something. Anyways, there was a movie that tried to Cabin do a Randy. Woods. Yeah, I think so. And it was just like, it wasn't as funny or as good. For him, it just seemed like it wasn't forced. Like, he was just like, matter of fact, like, oh, if this was a horror movie. <laughs> and then he'd... Just do something else. He was great. Yeah. And I also want to throw out that the Scream TV series tried to have their own little Randy. He irked the fuck out of me. <laughs> I'm just going to, Noah, I'm sorry. Who the guy played Noah? I'm sorry. You just was no Randy Meeks. And yeah. you were more I He can, was. Yeah, I yeah. can agree. I wasn't that impressed <laughs> with Noah on Scream, the TV series on MTV. So. He was pompous, and it was just Randy was just like, "I'm Randy Meeks, and I just this is just this is happy be the shit that I am." Every time something happened, it was like everybody on the, um, screen, the TV series, everybody turning over was like, "What's going on?" He was like, "Well, no, no, no. I'm like, "Oh, shut the oh. fuck up." <laughs> like, well, also up. like Randy, he did like know the rules and stuff, but it wasn't like every scene he was talking about the rules, and it exactly. felt like with yeah. Noah, every time he talked, it was always about like horror and the rules, and it was just, it was a bit much. Yeah, and even even some of the stuff was nuanced with, like, you knew that Randy had a thing for Sid, but it was kind of, like, like muted a little bit until, you know, we got to the video store scene, and, you know, and he sat there and said, you know, yeah, I do like, you know, Sydney and whatnot, and Billy doesn't deserve her, blah, 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 and then you kind of get it, you know what I'm saying? Like, okay, he has a thing for Sid, you know, so I get it. You you, you kind of get his character. You get what he was, you know, because you looked at all five of them, and you always sat there and say, how in the hell is Randy in this group? You know what I'm saying? But mm-hmm. at the end, but when you, by the end of the movie, you can see why, and, you know, because he's just cool, and, and he just, he idolized Sid, so it made so much sense. Randy yeah. was the cool nerd before being a nerd was cool. Exactly. And his Birkenstocks, and he just dressed, he made dressing like a nerd cool, I believe, in my personal yeah. opinion, because his, like, his Birkenstocks, and um, he just looked, Scream is just, Scream just screams 90s. I'm, I know that sounds like a little a tongue twist, though, but it just, that's the most epitome 90s movie of all time in my personal opinion but yeah he, he just looked he didn't have a prop the, um, the stereotypical nerd outfit he just was just cool he just was nerdy about certain things and 
he was confident. He was, I mean, yeah, he wasn't confident when it came, but who's confident when it comes to their heart? You know what I'm saying? But as him as a person, he wasn't apologetic about being a nerd. He wasn't shy. He wasn't, you know, disgusting. He was just like, this is me, and I'm proud of it. And it was like, God damn it, Randy, thank you for representing us all. <laughs> yeah, so. Before we talk about Ghostface, let's talk about the red herring, Cotton Weary. Liev Schreiber. What y'all think of Cotton? We can't really think much about him. Because, <laughs> I mean, you got more about him in the sequel, though. But just that one look in that police car, and you yeah. was like, hell, he might have did it. <laughs> I know? know, because this is the first movie. And having seen, obviously, the first and then the rest of the movies, as you watch the other movies, like, you, you get more information. But, like, in this movie, like, they really did a great job of making him look hella suspicious. Yes. Them, that glare was, if if looks could kill, everybody who watched the movie would die outside. <laughs> I know, right? We got a lot about him through, like, the other characters. So, like, by the time, like, we see him, like, it's like, you know? Like, yeah. did he do it? Is he there? Like, is this his revenge or something? Yes. Yes, it was because because Gail West was so sure about his alibi and everything like that that she was trying to save an innocent man in her eyes. But what if he came back and he was actually killing bodies down people because he's pissed? Then yeah. she would look like a damn fool. So it was like everybody was a suspect. Just that lie, like everybody's a suspect. You couldn't trust anybody because everybody was suspect as hell except Sydney and Tatum. I'm sorry, I just cannot see Tatum like having any ill will towards Sydney. Yeah, I don't think she would want to break her nails or anything like that. <laughs> yeah. And plus her boobs and the costume. Yeah. Would have gave away everything. Yeah. True. <laughs> Before we get into Ghostface, I was just remembering the quick little cameo. Henry Winkler as the principal. Oh. Principal Hembry. That was a surprise for me when he showed up, because it was, like, really random and out of the blue, and at least around that time, I was really into, like, Nick at Night and, like, all those um, reruns of, like, 70s sitcoms, and so I knew Happy Days, and I was like, it's the Fonz. He was even creepy, though. I mean, he, he was, was cool. at one point, I thought he was the killer. When he pulled that mask out the very first time I saw it, I was like, why is he pulling that mask out? I was like, what you doing, yeah. Principal Hembry? But did you notice that when he was, when they, when, they, when his first scene, when they, um, called, he was in the office and they called in Sydney and he was always touching on her and shit. And you know how the cop was looking at him like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> you know? And yeah. Sydney, yeah. You know, so it just, he just gave off this kind of like sleaze factor though, but it wasn't overkill, but it was just like, yeah, you a little too friendly okay. with the damn female. Yeah, touchy feeling with the female students, you know what I'm saying? So, I love the red herrings all over the place. Uh, until he got gad, though, but I thought that he might have been in on it, too, because he did let out school. Sydney was attacked in the school by a ghost face, and we don't know if it was the actual ghost face by playing, but at the same time, she was attacked, and it just seems like well, they canceled school behind, though, but at the same time, it was like, I'm going to stay behind. You know what I'm saying? And just, you know, wear this mask and not go home and chill. I don't know. But at least this thing that kind of, like, made me root for him was when he sat there and pretty much freaked out the two kids, the two guys who brought the ghost oh, back yeah. to school. And like, so I was like, oh, he's for real. Like, 
But then again, I was like, that could have been an act, but at the same time, just like, dude, we have to do some shit like that. I took my ass home. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because uh-huh. so, I, I did pull out some scissors on two kids, so they might be the ones doing all this shit. Let me take my ass to the house. You know, so. That's too funny. Okay, so let's discuss Ghostface, the idea of Ghostface. We'll get into the killer, or I should say killers, in a moment. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about Ghostface, the concept of Ghostface, the costume of Ghostface, the voice of Ghostface. Did you all think Ghostface was an effective uh, killer? Yes. Effective? Well, that's the answer. No, go on, Cynthia. Like, Ghostface needed to work out. Like, brah, if you're planning on killing people and running after them, like, you know, train for a marathon or something. Like, like every time he'd stopped and you could hear him, like, panting or it panting. I'm like, oh, that's so sad. Like, that's the kind of killer that if it was chasing me, I wouldn't sit down and be like, oh, make sure you do it fast because I'm not running. This is a kind of killer that I'd be like, oh, I have a chance. I might make it. So <laughs> needed to work out a little bit. And he was so, it was so clumsy. Yeah, he needed, it, I mean, like, cardio. Yeah. Cardio would have helped Ghostface. And Ghostface was clumsy, I agree. But I think that's what yeah. made it kind of, quote-unquote, real. Yes. Because it yeah. wasn't like a Michael Myers or, like, a Jason Voorhees, who, like, seem perfect in their murderous ways, where it's, like, I think one of the gags that we have nowadays about, like, those types of movies from, like, the 80s, or in the 70s and 80s, are the fact that we have a character run for their life throughout the woods or something, and, like, Jason is, like, slowly stalking but yet he somehow catches up to them. True. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so and I, the whole clumsiness and like the bumping into stuff and like get he like Ghostface got hit so many times. It just added a semblance of reality to it. Like, oh shit, A, this is a human that's making all these bumbling moves, but B, this is a human who, regardless of, like, what's happening to them, like, they are trying to get your ass. Yeah. And that was my, that was my thing, because I was like, because at first, I was, I was like, oh, y'all, like, he is clumsy as fuck. Like, I don't care who does the ghost face mask, they are super clumsy. But <laughs> it gives the whole aspect of, like, you do have on a mask, this is a human being with a mask on, <laughs> trying to be... No, and he can't see shit because I have the ghost face mask. And that's nothing good. That You should not run in a ghost face mask. Let's just say that because I've actually did it and failed and hurt my damn self. So I was like, okay, I see how you oh, did it. Oh, Lord. But yeah, it's not fun wearing that mask. So I could just imagine tripping and not seeing shit and not seeing like side tables, like the corners of tables and shit <laughs> or, or ottomans and stuff like that. <laughs> you know, so... <laughs> Okay, but as a, a scare factor, it did scare me when I first saw it. Um, because when the trailers were showing on screen, when the trailers of screen were playing, you rarely got a chance to see the face, the, the, the mask on front. Because for the longest time, I thought it was a, just a, re, a reboot of the Nightmare on Street franchise. I'm like, okay, Freddy Krueger is now in the real world. He's killing people in a new damn outfit or some shit. But 
I swear to God, that's what I thought it was. And so when I finally go, went to go see the movie, when I went to, got a chance to see the movie, I was like, oh, that is a factor. I mean, you in the house by yourself, and you see somebody with their mask on, and it's, you know, with a big-ass, like, hunter knife, you're like, holy shit. <laughs> it might not be Freddie or Jason, though, but goddamn, it's a good start, <laughs> you know, to oh, fuck all their life up, but, yeah. <laughs> so let's discuss... The individuals that were in that Ghostface costume. And uh, they were Billy Loomis, played by Ski Ulrich. And uh, Stu Mocker, played by Matthew Lillard. They are the boyfriends of uh, Sydney and Tatum. Wow. And before we get into like the acting and, and the actors playing the roles and that kind of thing... When you first saw the movie, I mean, barring the fact that maybe you were already spoiled by who the killers were, A, as you were watching it the very first time, did you realize that it was more than one killer? And B, did you pick them out of the lineup? I'm going to be honest, somebody spoiled the entire last act of the movie on the school bus. And I wanted to beat the living hell out of them. Damn school bus. (laughs) And... Also, before the movie even, when the movie really started picking up steam in the box office, they had a trailer to um, Republicas Drop Dead Gorgeous, and it was all about Billy Loomis, and it kind of gave the it kind of gave the killer away <laughs> because it kept they you know you Drop Dead Gorgeous, you know, and the, the, the song kept playing and it kept showing like Ghostface and Billy and Ghostface and Billy, Billy, and I'm like. Is he the killer? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, and then at the end of the trailer, they kept showing, like, well, maybe it's one of these people. I'm like, no, y'all just told me it was Billy Loomis. So when I saw the movie, now, I did what they did not spoil was that there was two. So that was a shocker right there. Because going back and watching the movie, then I had to go back and watch the movie and see who was who and where they were at. You know what I'm saying? Like, who was doing what and, you, you know, that type of thing. But I didn't know it was two until I saw the movie on VHS. Yeah, I didn't know the twist either. I didn't figure it out either. Like, I was believing all the damn red herrings. There was at one point where I thought it was Sydney's father. Yeah. Yeah, I was so confused. But it all made sense when they explained it out. And even upon rewatching it, like, the you know, the several times that I have, I think they still do a really good job of giving, like, teeny tiny subtle hints but like still not really like showing the cards even if you know what's going to happen next exactly true now what about the actors like what did you all think of uh matthew and uh um skeet playing these characters what did you think of the characters in general uh i'm gonna start with um matthew lilliard's um stew mocker Stu was that person that you probably like, yeah, I, ha, 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 but you got to watch his ass because you know he's going to try to do some crazy shit and you can be the butt of whatever joke he's playing. You know, he's one of those people who they tell you how much they pranked everybody else and you get to the point where like, yeah, I'm not going to fuck with you because you're going to do some of that crazy shit with me. I'm going to fuck your ass up. But at the same time, you knew that he had like that. He was like the epitome of like white privilege um, because who else would fucking... Um, sit there, you know, my parents out of town, I'm gonna throw this party in the middle of fucking nowhere, in the middle of a fucking massacre, and there's no, no care in the world, you know what I'm saying, like, 
they're not going to touch me because, you know, I'm rich and I have money. I'm well off and I have money and blah, 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 blah. And um, he he was funny, but in a corny type of way, you know. Yeah, he was also kind of douchey in a corny kind of way. Douchey. He was like, he's like that dude that hangs out with the other people, like, by the tree that's a little bit on the outskirts of the school, and they smoke cigarettes and they smoke weed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And to me, he was the pinky to Stu Marker's brain. <laughs> yeah. Um, because you have... Uh, yeah, uh, he was like, which way do I go? Which way do I go? I think he was the smart one in the end. Oh. I just Maybe the at the answer. end, but yeah. not at the beginning. But yeah, <laughs> Stu was the pinky to Billy's brain, and Billy was like... Woe is me, you know, my mom left, and he was just clueless. He gave off this clueless vibe, and but it was along the lines like he like he did care for Sydney and whatnot. Because I still think that he did love Sydney, but it was just the rage of him, what his mom, what, what his um, what her mom did to his family was just like it overwhelmed it. You know what I'm saying? But he was, might have loved her, but it was like a psychopathic love. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. He, he might, it was like, like it you know, isn't normal love. No, none at all. Hashtag what's love got to do with it? Exactly. The epitome of what's love got to do with it. Hell, I think Tina got a got a good. Got, I'm not gonna say that. Secondhand emotion. But <laughs> but no, he Billy was just he was a kid that you would probably have to just really look out for like yeah he's cool he's quiet though but you know he's one of those silent type and everybody kept saying like Skeet Ulrich was just like this heartthrob I did not see it I was like I yeah, didn't I see, didn't it. see it either um yeah. you thought he was a heartthrob Cynthia no yeah no, I, I don't know I didn't understand that either because I do remember that like after it came out like oh you know he was and I guess he was like the male love interest but he wasn't like a heartthrob because in my opinion, like, even though I didn't suspect him, like, they made him look creepy as fuck. Exactly. Like, throughout the whole movie. Like, that scene with them together, um, when he goes to her bedroom, like, he looks scary. Yes. He looks like a Jeffrey Dahmer slash Charles Manson type guy. And, but he... He looked like Tate from American Horror Story Murder House. Yes! Yes! Spot on, spot on. He gave the deranged look, but again, they played it like as a red herring. But when I got a question for y'all about Billy, did y'all buy with Ghostface? But you know, he said it wasn't me. That Ghostface shows behind him, but then he gets, I'm doing air quotes, stabbed. And I'm like, we've seen Casey, Steve, Principal Embry, all these people get gutted and like guts coming out, and he has not one damn ounce of fat falling out of his damn stomach. I didn't buy it as a as an audience member. I didn't buy it then because I knew that he was the killer. So I didn't well, buy yeah. it. But, just, but I but think just, I did buy it the first time. I think I did because I remember being really surprised by both of them when we find out the truth. And like when he gets all, you know, he starts like licking the blood. I'm like, and then Stu goes like batshit crazy like shout out to matthew lillard because yes. that scene where he's like talking and all that spit is coming out yes. of his mouth yeah i'm like yes. dude 
You have fucking lost it. Like, where's Nurse Ratchet? Because (laughs) you need to get your ass committed. Because, like, ain't nobody talk like that. In, in, like, that's sane. Yeah. And that whole scene with them in the kitchen, and they're both Mm -hmm. cutting each other, and then when um, um, Billy gets pissed, he throws the phone upside of Sue's head. That was actually not in the script, and that was actually that actually happened. And that line was like, "You hit me with the phone, Dick." <laughs> that was actually uh, Matthew telling, uh, <laughs> like, uh, Skeet, like, "The fuck, dude? What the hell are you doing?" Oh, that's so <laughs> but, funny. Oh, they got God. method. Yeah, but Wes Craven was like, "We got to keep that because that was just so damn it's perfect." But uh, they played off each other really well, and. It's still, even though I knew what was going to happen, I still did not know how it was going to be executed. So even still, I still retain a, a form of shock, you know, when it happened because the way the scene played out when he was like, you know, we all go mad sometimes. Um, he, then he shoots uh, Randy. Then he starts, like you said, sucking on the piece. Like he started, like, I'm like, oh, this motherfucker just snapped. But then when Stu came around the corner, and then she's on him, and he's like, surprise, Sydney. I'm like, oh, my God, it's two of them. Who would have <laughs> thought? Who would have thought it's two killers running around? Like, oh, my God, she is screwed because everybody else is dead. Because <laughs> so, we still had seen Gail Weathers. You know, I thought that she yeah. got died, she died in the damn um, van, but I was like, she is screwed. How she going to get out of there? And so, but, yeah, those two were, to me, the best killers out of the whole entire franchise yeah they were great like everything about it was awesome like i loved what matthew lillard did when there's that one point where he seemed scared and like how he played that and you know sydney with the umbrella yes and like um Stu getting you know the tv on him you know jamie lee curtis it was fantastic and like oh just everything like the way billy died and then the way that like he pops up and yes. then like but then like the dad burst through and then like i remember the first time i was like what the fuck and it was like oh okay it's just the dad like everything about it like the ending it was just beautiful it was perfect like gail weather sort of leading us out we haven't really discussed it yet but like the sets were gorgeous like each house was almost like more beautiful than the last one. It was just, I loved it. I loved it completely. And I even love the uh, the photo credits at the end. Yes. I love a movie with photo credits. And I will admit, I loved the music of Scream. Like, yes. I own the soundtracks for <laughs> Scream, the original, and Scream 2. I, I might even own the soundtrack for Scream 3. But, like, for the most part, all of the music is really good in the Scream franchise. And I'm not even that big of a fan of, like, alternative music. And and a lot of it is, like, a little bit of, like, alternative in the genre. But it's, like, really good. Like, I love the music. I think the first Scream's music is probably, overall, the best. I think I have more songs that I like from there. Um, The last song at the end, Whisper to a Scream, is really good. Yes! Yes! Like, it's just, I love it. It's so good. I think the acting is really top-notch from everybody. Everybody really gets into their character, and you can tell that they're having fun, you know, being a part of this uh, slasher genre. 
Yes. Um, I'm glad you brought the soundtrack because I had to go get that soundtrack. And you noticed that the first soundtrack was a lot of indie bands, and then they got to the sequel. There was a lot of popular artists at the time. And even though I love some of the songs, I love a lot of the songs from the second soundtrack, but it, you can still see that, you know, okay, y'all made a lot of money so y'all can afford other people. But they kind of went back to the indie thing with the third soundtrack because I think the only group on the third tra- soundtrack they even had you no know, so street cred was creed and they did the two songs um you know those play at the beginning and at the end of the movie um but back to this original screen soundtrack yeah the end credits um the picture like just seeing them like oh like oh they're so cute they're just like but they're dead it's like it just does it just, every time i see the end credits i get like this warm fuzzy feeling with me in each movie the first three but then the fourth movie just they kind of, they didn't jettison it, but they kind of fucked it up. They, I guess they're trying to do the whole, like, new rules, new decade thing. and um, But I don't know. I did like the fourth film um, end credits, though. But, yeah, the end credits for screen was awesome. Um, oh, I want to talk about that last scene, the scene that took the, fi- the final act. It was labeled scene 118. It took them 21 nights to film. And wow. they say that was the longest shoot i think they even had a code name for it i think the um i think the long the longest night ever or something like that because they that's i remember watching the, the documentary about it the two documentaries about it they always talk about how gruesome and how this gruesome and just just hard it was for them to um shoot that last act because you had like about multiple deaths and Tons of um, different, you know, plot lines going on, and all these reveals and stuff. And I just, I don't know. I was, if I was the continuity person, I probably would have had a goddamn aneurysm. You know what I'm saying? Because it was so much shit going on. And just you, when you look at the movie and the finished product, you realize that yeah, most of the damn half the other, the other half of the movie takes place all at Stu Marker's house. But look at how big that house is. Is I always question with all the people at their party. When Casey, when I came up, when Tatum got her damn head crushed in the garage, I'm like, nobody walked past her body. <laughs> but then you look at how big this house is, you're like, you guess not, because she was on the other side of the damn house. And everybody else went the other way when they left the party. But you would think somebody would like kind of like walk off and be like, what the fuck is that hanging out there? You know, up there. But I don't know. So. Oh, yeah, that is true. That is very true. And you know what? I didn't really think about it. But you are right. And, I mean, it's just factually right. Like, the first half of the movie is, like, the setup to the party. And, like, the party really is, like, I don't know, like, almost an hour of the movie? Or at least the last half of the movie? Yeah. Yeah. It was, they said, a 40-minute long um, final act. And you think about it, it's like, yeah. It, that, that was a long, because a lot of shit came to a head at a yeah. party. Mm-hmm. You, you know, all the, the Sydney losing her virginity, you know, to um, then her forgiving Billy, you know, to then her losing her virginity. Then um, Tatum's death, then Gail coming to the party to get more information out of, you know, the kids and stuff like that. And then her little thing with, with um, Dewey was starting to spawn and everything like that. And then, you know, the murders and then reveal and then, the, you know, the taking out the villain and then Gail was just looking beat up but still beat to the gods for that final shot. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And so everything just went down. And I, I look at that as damn good filmmaking and damn good writing. Um, 
actually, Christopher Henry was not supposed to die. He was his death was the catalyst to get all the remaining partiers to leave the house, so the real murders could go ahead and get started. Oh, that's interesting. But they moved his death up. Yeah. So, any other final thoughts on Scream before we check in to see if uh, Scream has won any awards? No, it's great. Yeah, it's everything. I can go on and on. <laughs> I don't want to. Well, let's get into the awards. Uh, it has been nominated, and it's won a few awards. Back in 1997, at the MTV Movie Awards, it won for Best Movie, and it was nominated for Best Female Performance, Nev Campbell. In 1997, the Online Film and Television Association nominated the film for Best Sci-Fi Fantasy Horror Picture and Best Sci-Fi Fantasy Horror Actress, Nev Campbell. It won in 1997 for the International Horror Guild Best Movie. It won in 1997 the grand prize at the Gerardmer Film Festival. Wes Craven picked up that award. In 1996, at the Awards Circuit Community Awards, it placed second for Best Original Screenplay, Kevin Williamson, and it was nominated uh, um, in, I guess it's honorable mentions, the next 10 Best Picture Contenders, uh, Wes Craven, received that nomination. At the Academy of Science Fiction, Fantasy, and Horror Films Awards in 1997, it won a Saturn Award for Best Horror Film, Best Actress, Nev Campbell, Best Writer, Kevin Williamson. It was nominated Best Supporting Actor, Ski Ulrich, Best Supporting Actress, Drew Barrymore, and Best Director, Wes Craven. And then in 1998, it won the ASCAP Film and Television Music Awards for Top Box Office Films. So there you go. But now we're going to hand out our own awards in just a moment. Let's check in on the Rotten Tomatoes Fresh Meter. This film is 79% certified fresh. Lies and trash, okay. (sighs) Rotten Tomatoes can never be trusted. Can never be trusted. Ratings are rotten. Well, that's why the tomatoes are rotten. <laughs> exactly. Well, we're going to give out our own awards because those are the ones that really count. And, I mean, I think it's appropriate. Scream Queen. Oh, um. Gail Weathers. <laughs> no. Casey Becker. Casey Becker? Cause even, yeah, because even when she couldn't scream, I could feel her screams. Exactly. Okay, all right, get yeah. it, Casey Becker. What about Scream King? Ooh. Randy? Uh, Poor Andy. Stu. I guess Stu was doing all of them. Doing the shit. most. The most. The diva. Tatum. Tatum. Yeah, Tatum. I give Tatum. The ingenue. Sydney. Sydney, yeah. Feminist icon. Gail Weathers. Yes, Gail. <laughs> the biggest douche. Billy. Um, Billy. Yeah. The See You Next Tuesday Cunt Award. Really? <laughs> okay. The sexiest <laughs> moment. Sexiest moment? There was a sexy moment? I guess a little bit when Billy and Sydney were on the bed and she had her little nightgown. Yeah, even then, I was just like, she doesn't want to do this. Go home. 
Yeah. Yeah, I would say that the line of, you know, can't you set up for a PG-13 relationship? And she showed him, you know, she she showed, she flashed him. I'm like, that was pretty cool. Mm. Okay, that's you good. Know. That's PG-13. Wow. <laughs> Slight nudity, <laughs> yes. I was like 16. Partial nudity. What about the unsexiest moment? <sighs> when they when had sex. So I don't know. Him begging for sex was unsexy. Yeah, I had to co-sign that because he seemed like he had never had any ass before. You know he probably sat there and screwed some chick and one of the cheerleaders and shit. Like they yeah. be- Oh, you know what? I'm going to give you my see you next Tuesday to the damn cheerleader in the goddamn bathroom because that bitch was just doing the most. Yeah, she I was. can't stand her ass. But anyway. <laughs> but um, but no, he was doing the most, asking for sex and shit. I'm like, you act like you ain't never had any. I know you've had some, Billy. I know you had some. So... The Queen of Shade. Ooh. Title? Tatum. Maybe a little Gale Weathers? That's a tie between them two because they... Ooh. Just... What, who, what about the, the read of the night? Um, Gale. When yeah. she basically blames Sydney for... Everything. Yeah. 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 Because she can't remember receipts. She said, no, you saw, you thought, you, know, you saw someone leave with the coat, but it wasn't... Because Sydney was like, I can't, I can't come back to that. And yeah. I'm like, yeah, like, ooh. And then she said, I know what I saw. This girl, like, you're not sure, are you? <laughs> like, she ran her. Like, she ran her through that little bruise out of her. It's like, yeah, I got you now. Ooh, That's yeah. so funny. Okay, so the Queen of Shade was Tatum. So the librarian, a.k.a. the best reader, Gail? Gail. Yeah. Gail. Okay. What was the scariest moment? Oh, the first 15 minutes for me because yeah. even though she was still on the phone with this dude when he asked her that was like it was it was three strikes one um i want to know who i'm looking at that sends chills down my spine to this day um and then when he reiterated when he when she like when he snapped and he said can yeah. you handle that blondie that let that was strike two you know what I'm saying? Because it was like, yeah, no, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not playing. I can't see you. And then, you know, so it just like, yeah, that was scary. And then the saddest part was when she was right there. Her parents were like mere mm-hmm. feet away from her. And that's, and in the middle of nowhere, it's like, that's scary. It's just like, oh, my God. Because I stay in the area like that. And so it's just like. Uh, and when she told him, oh, I could call the cops right now. And it's like, yeah, you're in the middle of nowhere. They're not going to get here for a while. I'm like, Jesus. They, yes, they had, they had um, uh, what they call it? They had scoped the place out. And they, mm-hmm. they, had, they, had, they had her trapped, so. Ugh. Yeah, I agree. The first 15 minutes were scary. They were creepy as fuck. What about the kill of the night? Casey. Yeah. Okay, yeah, I can go oh. with that as well. Even though Tatum's was gross, because in the uh, unedited version, you actually see her face squish. Yeah. Oh, ew. Yeah, it was horrible. But I think the reason why it's Casey is because it was not not drawn out, but it was it had an emotional impact to it because it just. And then the ending when her parents see her and out, yeah. oh, when, when her mom hears her getting killed on the phone. Yeah. Oh. You know, that was just, oh, Jesus, like, you know, oh, it just makes my skin crawl even to think about it, even though I've seen it hundreds of times. I feel like every moment, like, every stab, there's, like, 
oh, there's hope. And then you're like, okay, maybe she's not going to die. And then something else happens. You're like, oh, there's hope. <laughs> Even when she was on the phone, I'm like, okay, they're going to run. They can still track this phone. I thought this was like 2015 where you could find your iPhone. <sighs> no. Casey, my heart. So what about the that's so retro moment? The phone. Exactly. Yeah. I was about to say the same thing, Cynthia. I'm like, because before the movie came out, nobody was really doing call ID like that. <laughs> so it was just like, y'all don't have no call ID. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, you can't see who's on the phone on the other line, but yeah. Oh, and that cell phone that dropped, I'm like, oh, that was yes. a thing. Or the fact that she called the cops on her computer. It, it took forever for her to do that. Yes. And she had to type out mm. what she wanted. You've got mail. Oh, Lord. Now it's time to rank the film in our special categories. We've got The Screamer for films that are filled with scares, Gutbuster, films that are grotesque, Eye Popper, films that are visually impressive, Gravedigger, films that lack scares, and Mind Blower. Overall, best in show. Cynthia, we'll start off with you. Screamer, it was scary, 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 sadly scary. Gut buster, it was disgusting, especially Casey's death. Like, why? Why did you have to stab her in the throat? Eye popper, everything was beautiful. The costumes were beautiful. The set was beautiful. The way people were killed was beautifully done. It was great. And mind blower, because... Watching it again, I kind of understand all the subtle keys in the movie, and I can appreciate it. And it was funny and scary at the same time. That's usually hard to do. So yeah, it gets everything for me. Good grief. Um, I don't know how to top that. But um, I will give it 100% mind blower. Best in show. This is one of my favorites. I really love this movie. Apparently not as much as Mark, but um, I don't know if anyone can love it as much as Mark, but I really do enjoy this movie. It's one of my favorites. It's a movie that I could see, you know, whenever, you know, I could, you know, it's like one of those movies you don't really have to even be in the mood for it. You know, you just pop and scream. Although it had been a while since I'd seen it, um, you know, now that I'm rewatching it for this podcast it had been a, a minute since i had seen it but uh it felt like i had just seen it you know a week ago or something like that because it's so memorable and i'll give it a screamer nowadays i would not say that it's scary maybe because i've seen it enough but in the beginning like especially when i was a teen watching this i remember this was scary as fuck so uh, i'll give it a screamer and eye popper as well because it's it's a beautifully done movie, like the sets, the costumes, the cinematography, the effects, like everything looks really good. And I guess I'll throw in Gutbuster because some of the deaths are, you know, good grief. And uh, I also, you know, if you have seen the uncut version, like the deaths are extra ooey gooey if you know what i'm saying mark what about you i saved the best for last okay um let me see screamer eye popper gut buster 
mind blower. This movie lit a fire in my ass um, because it. I thought Clueless and the craft of the movies that sat there and kind of like defined my um, teenage years, but then Scream came out and I really dived headfirst into horror unapologetically at that point in time because I love the genre. I mean, Cinemax to have a little open um, horror movie nights and stuff like that, but it got to the point where some people were like, you know, you should be watching these type of movies and stuff like that. They're like bad and everything. But when the horror became popular again, and I can talk about these movies with people at school, like, because some people didn't know like, some of the movies they were referencing in the, in the um, in Scream. And I'm like, oh, yeah, this is that, this is that, and da-da-da. And they're like, oh, okay. So, like I said, I became the Randy Meeks of the high school at the time. And, and I wanted to drop, I wanted a job at the um, video store. But Scream... The writing and the directing is also one of the reasons why I wanted to go into filmmaking because I went and bought the script for Scream, tried to learn how to write scripts, you know what I'm saying, um, based off the screenplay for Scream. And the movie is just set off a whole, it was like the movie that set up like my whole pop culture feast, you know what I'm saying? So. It's, it's a big deal to me. Cause like you said, every movie that came out, I went to go... Well, but Scream 1 and 2, I had to go watch it on VHS when it came out. But Scream 3, open at night, I was there. Scream 4, open at night, I was there. Bought all the soundtracks in for Scream 4. Um, I just love this movie. I just love this franchise. I love everybody involved in it. Um, it's just a big deal to me. So it gets all those except for Grave Digger because, I mean... Just the concept of just somebody calling you and just saying, yeah, I can see where you're at. Even with cell phones nowadays, it's still creepy. So, or even a dating app. Somebody hits you up on a dating app, whether it's Tinder, Grinder, Scruff, whatever. You're the guy at the library. That freaks me the fuck out. <laughs> and I always go back to, like, I go to my Casey Becker mode where it's like, who are you? Where are you? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, where do you see me at? You know, who is this? You know, so it's, it's still, it still unnerves me, so. Scream is just everything to me. Now it's time to rate the film on a 110 hotel room key scale. And the point system is loud. And I will go first. And I'm giving it 10 out of 10 hotel room keys. Uh, You know, there's a key to the penthouse in there. (laughs) You know, that fancy penthouse where you got to stick the key in the elevator to, like, be able to press the button. You know what I'm saying? Okay, okay. Like, yeah. I mean, this is just a really great movie. Like, the cast is awesome. The music is awesome. The cinematography. The sets. The costuming. The uh, writing. The twists. The end credits. The music. Like, everything. All of the above. Like, this is just a classic. Hashtag classic. I'm going to save Mark to the end because I have a feeling his is going to be good. So, Cynthia, you are next. Uh, it's it's getting a 10 from me as well. Just because it was so great. So great. Especially now that I can understand what they're saying, really. It was amazing. That does help. Yeah. <laughs> it was amazing. Amazing. Now I want to go watch, like, the rest of the movies. Yes. <laughs> Mark. Oh my god, can I give it the key to the city? To the whole hotel? <laughs> the skeleton key? I mean, like, the, the, the key that opens up everything. You know, like, the the city... 
the the state. I mean, it's Infinity Keys for me. I'm I, I, I would give it ten, but I really mean Affinity. I'm just I'm just saying because that's oh god. If I could just go back in time and just relive the first time watching this movie, it's just everything. So I love this movie. I love it to death. Y'all should see how hard I'm grinning over here. That's how happy I am about this movie. <laughs> I like it. All right, everybody. On that note, please drag your bodies away from the ballroom and prepare to check out. Join us next time for a brand new installment of Horror Hotel. Once again, here's one of our bellhops with a few special announcements. Good evening. We thank you for your patronage. Like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash p-c-r. Horror Hotel. Follow Panpichulo Radio on social media. We are on Facebook, Instagram, Tumblr, Twitter, and YouTube, at Panpichulo Radio. For more information on Horror Hotel, visit panpichuloradio.com slash horror hotel. Do you have any questions, suggestions, comments, or concerns? Email us via contact at panpichuloradio.com. Help support Panpichulo Radio financially by visiting gofundme.com slash panpichuloradio. Are you interested in joining the Panpichulo Radio team as an on-air personality or blog contributor? Email talent at panpichuloradio.com. Binge listen to your favorite Panpichulo Radio programs by visiting panpichuloradio.com slash archives. You can also download tonight's broadcast and the rest of the series through iTunes. Just search for Panpichulo Radio's Horror Hotel and subscribe. We hope you've brought your death certificate. Make final arrangements now. <laughs> Thank you, my fellow Horror Hotel team. Please wish our hotel guests and the listeners a good night. Good night. Good night. Check your call IDs. <laughs> oh my. Thanks for tuning in. You may have checked into the Horror Hotel, but who says you're allowed to check out? Good night.